The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Recording and this is out now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is Abe. Hello, out now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. However, every now and then, we have these special bonus episodes, and boy, have we had some special bonus episodes this month! Spooktober, it's spook, spooktober. Uh, yeah, we've we've done a lot of these. This has been a lot of fun this year, as it is every year. Uh, uh Abe and I uh got together the gang. Uh, to present a number of special horror themed bonus episodes, yeah, we we did a, we had a, we had a fun set of topics this year. We we formed some monster squads and horror hero squads. We had a lengthy discussion about The Shining, and we talked at length also about the evolution of horror movie posters. And now to finish all of this off, uh, we are doing a a commentary track for Nosferatu, the 1920 the 1922 film from director F. W. Murnau. Uh, this is our commentary for the month, as well as a, a lovely way to wrap things up coming in just in time for Halloween 2022. Uh, I'm very excited to do this. Hey, are you excited to do this? I mean, we 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 opened up the crypt for this, so I'm we, excited too. we opened up the crypt for this. Yeah. Take that, Disney vault. Uh, <laughs> and joining us to talk all about Nosferatu, we have from Wise to Blue and host of the Brandon Peters show. Some have said he has a beautiful neck. It's Brandon Peters. <laughs> Good evening. Hi, Brandon. I don't know. I don't know what to say here. <laughs> also <laughs> joining us from the you Milky do have Way a beautiful Blues. neck, by the way. From the Milky Way Blues, Thanks, he, Abe. he's plagued by mosquitoes. It's Yancey Burns. Hey guys, plagued by mosquitoes. My neck ain't too bad, but yeah, <laughs> Brandon's nicer. Look at I'm that. Look at Yancey right like a nice in. little. Uh, 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 I have. A, I never drink wine. There. I never smoke cigarettes. <laughs> You you guys can't see, but Abe's wearing a giant turtleneck right now. That's correct. Yeah, his it's wounds. actually it's, it's fuchsia. It's a fuchsia turtleneck. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's right out of the seventies. Uh, He's gonna have some yeah. fun. Dude, what with... you don't see is I'm also wearing a nineties style t shirt over my turtleneck. So a little weird, but uh, very yeah, much right. elementary school all over again. <laughs> is it like that was an elementary school thing? A t shirt over a turtleneck? You like, guys didn't do that. I I as we all know, I only go turtleneck and chain. But, when you um, say 90 style clothes, are you talking like you're wearing like Bugs Bunny and Taz and like hip hop clothing? Something like that. Yeah. I had All a Captain right. Planet t-shirt. Your jeans backwards like crisscross. No, no, no. I, w- I would fall over. Not enough. <laughs> I would fall knee- over. <laughs> yeah. Aaron. Not enough knee leg way. You know better. That's wiggity, wiggity, yeah. wiggity, whack. How do you zip it up from the back, Aaron, without help? These are. <laughs> it's the, the poo hole instead of the pee hole. For the bonus yeah. episode. What am I doing? Just like How do I you know, zip if it I had up from the back, maybe. <laughs> oh, the eye rolls that women everywhere would give you. How do I zip it up from the back? I don't understand. Uh, <laughs> I, especially as like a ten year old. Come on. I lose my balance. Is still killing me. Like uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't have dexterity like that. Okay, Brandon Yancey, glad oh. to have you both here. Nosferatu. Yes, back back on track, guys. <laughs> 
Well, let's uh, let's is, get busy. Is that a sequel to the Aristocrats joke? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a good thing this movie's short because we're going to keep this thing going for a while. It looks like. Um, so, what are we doing here? We're going to talk about the film Nosferatu. Currently, uh, there this is not a hard film to find. That said. Uh, we plan to talk over it right now. In doing that, Brandon and I have the Kino Blu-ray release of the film. Yancey has the Eureka uh, version. Abe has a digital version that he's using. Uh, they all have varying forms of introductions, but we've settled on starting at the overture, meaning that Brandon and I, and yet all of us, uh, essentially have the film paused at the overture. Where that is as a timestamp, that's hard to say. Uh, for the Kino Blu-ray release, it's one one minute and one second. That could vary. So just know that if you plan to watch the film along with us talking over it, if you want to sync it up with us, you need to kind of basically play through whatever opening logos there are, the introduction that kind of establishes the restoration, and then pause it right as the forward overture appears on screen. If that doesn't appear on screen, I admire the fact that you're desperately trying to sync this up with us to begin with, but I feel like you can still be pretty fine basically catching up as you need to be. Um, our so, le- least intrusive commentary of all time yeah <laughs> for sure so yeah if you're planning to sync it all up keep all that in mind if you're planning to listen just to listen i thank you I mean, good good for you yeah i mean it's not everyone's like you know what i could use a podcast talking about nosferatu right now so good good on you Jonathan. for joining in on that fun uh <laughs> from from me to you thank you from a, exactly. from a, few, yeah. from a few yokels on the internet talking about nosferatu <laughs> but uh so yeah, that's the plan. That's what we're going to do here. I think we're all good to go. You guys ready? Let's do it. I'm going to count down from three, and on the sound to go, we're going to all get to press play. So here we go. Uh. Three, two, one. Nosferatu! All right. Are you going to say go? Because I'm still waiting. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> overture. Uh, we have an overture. This is going to be interesting, uh, because we're doing a silent film. I, I can't imagine this is our second silent film commentary so i'm assuming it's our first silent film commentary Speaking over the overture mm-hmm. um and this has been a fun progression because we did kiss me deadly right back in <laughs> back in uh august yep uh then we did pinocchio in september and now we've done the oldest film we've done for a commentary track now with nosferatu and somehow it was always going to be nosferatu right mm-hmm. it had to yeah i think we kind of i think we kind of do that for a while at this point I mean, just inevitably, years ago, if you think, what would be the oldest one we do a commentary on? It'd probably be Nosferatu. Yeah. yeah. It's like the then, oldest nerd film to like go over. For yeah, <laughs> I, I, don't think, I don't think too many people are climbing for like the chic commentary tracks. So yeah. uh, I think we're good with Nosferatu. So if the Patreon hits $10. <laughs> yeah, it's like, but if you do want us to do that, send us an email. Yeah, or, or do our, our Abe will dress as the chic and we'll do a video live 100%. commentary. 100%. Our, our, our George Murray's commentary pack uh, will certainly come along soon enough as well. Um, let's see. We're talking about Nosferatu. Pete's not here, so obviously we don't, Hi, have, anyone that was, we don't have anyone that was here when the movie was first released. Uh, but, the, <laughs> but, as far as, but as far as when we first saw Nosferatu, I, I like going over this. I assume <laughs> I, I, I assume it's varying forms of college or maybe even screenings, but I want to know, when did you guys first see Nosferatu? Yancy, you, you ever recall when you first saw Nosferatu? The first time I saw the movie was probably around 20 or 21. But the first time I ever saw anything from the movie was in the video for Under Pressure. Queen and okay. David. Mm, yeah. Silent movie stuff. I remember before school going to work and see, or going to school and seeing the video and going, oh, it's Nosferatu and I'm assuming Metropolis. And 
but yeah, probably not until I was 20 or 21. Probably the first silent, silent film I saw. You think so? I think so, unless it was a Buster Keaton or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm, th- I'm thinking about this as you're talking because I want to I make sure I have yeah, my yeah, memories right. But, with, mm-hmm. but uh, Brandon, you have any idea when you first saw Nosferatu? Uh, I don't know if I exactly first saw it, but the first time I actually did a, like a serious watch of it, I think was around the time Shadow of the Vampire came out. Oh, yeah. so it uh-huh. like got me to go back and I'd seen footage from it. It, I'm sure it aired on TV or something. Um, but I, I did a like, you know what? I want to sit and watch this actually now that I'm older and more mature at age 18. Um, to to check it out. Um, so I believe it was it was it's probably around 2000. Um, that I gave it like the serious like hardcore watch before the, I, I know I probably seen clips or maybe even watched it full before that but I'm not sure but I think my first silent films I watched were Chaplin uh, yeah. movies but um, definitely yeah that's probably my first strong memory of sitting and watching it straight through Abe have you do you do you have a memory of her scene this I or do. From it this? was in college it was for a class but I mean I, I hated that professor uh, yeah. so it was one of those things where it's like Professor a Van watch. Helsing. Yeah, it was Professor Van Helsing. You know, we were, he's, he's we were very, about, like, very against kill the undead. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like for a professor, it was for a writing class and a professor that that I everybody loathed. So it was one of those like, I guess I have to go down to the the video archives of the library mm-hmm. and just go check this out and sit in like this, you know, sad room for an hour and a half. But I don't remember much from it. That's that's my memory of watching this for too. Dr. Yeah. Joseph Acula. That was his professor. <laughs> <laughs> his friends call him Drake. Um, <laughs> I, I, um, I know I saw this movie before Shadow of, of a Vampire. Uh, I know that specifically because I, I think it was very close to when that was coming out because I knew the movie was coming out because my mom was very excited for Shadow of the Vampire. Um, and she was a huge fan of that film. The only reason I have a DVD of that film is because I got it for her as a, like a, either a christmas pair or a gift or whatever mm-hmm. which is good because there's not a lot of copies of that lying around <laughs> i think it's, it's really hard to find it. it's not streaming at all um but i i had known about nosferatu i'd seen like footage of it or what have you and like knowing the movie was going to increase like i'm still kind of young but it's like i i was didn't have like a, a massive interest in silent film but it certainly was stuff i'm like it's nice to catch up on some of this right uh, i think i had just discovered the marx brothers like mid nineties. And obviously that's not silent, but as far as like going back in time to like mm-hmm. how films used to be made or whatnot. So I love I their, I love their brother, their brother, Richard's music. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Carl's philosophy. of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, so yeah, I eventually saw Nosferatu and I, I've been a fan of this for since that, like, I really like this movie a lot. It's mm-hmm. like, nice. I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of this, just this design of a vampire and how it's portrayed. Um, I, I, I like this more than most Dracula movies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it, it just really does the job for me. Weirdly on this, we've done multiple cause we've done, we've done Bram Stokers and we've done mm-hmm. interview and now we've done the, have we done any more vampire movies? <laughs> Probably done vampires the most. I think of the kinds of maybe I guess Michael Myers might've always done a lot of Halloween tracks too. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so I, I am quite the fan of this movie. It has been interesting to see the various releases of it because they have new, new like score or like audio, like music editions to it or what have you. 
Um, and I just find it fascinating. I, I, mm-hmm. I just the way it's constructed and whatnot. Thinking of you know the means of making a movie like this mm-hmm. versus how you would do it, you know, now let alone in like the seventies when Herzog did his remake. I just I, I really am fascinated by all by the, the stuff here. It certainly seems like Shadow of the Vampire. I thought was pretty interesting, just as far as a you know mildly comedic but you know fairly serious take on like what it was to make a movie like this with an actual vampire in the yeah. in that in that realm. Um, okay, with Origins out of the way, we're talking we're, <laughs> we're talking about a silent film. We have nothing to work with as far as dialogue is what's going on because we just have imagery, which is fine. We're doing a commentary track. Um, something I I'm curious what you guys think about is the. You know, we, we're, we're, this is a quote unquote black and white film, but obviously these kind of films were tinted and we have, you know, mm-hmm. varying forms of colors mm-hmm. and what have you to kind of express the the emotions on screen or what have you. What do you guys think of like the way these films are made as far as adding that kind of, you know, the, a shading of sorts? You've got to do it for a day for night. They they they, they, yeah. they do the blue for nighttime. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, you know. Oftentimes when I see a print of an old movie like this, I'm wondering whether the shading was really there originally or whether that was added later. Mm-hmm. Same thought. Yeah. Did every print carry the shading? You know? Yeah. And then, of course, with a movie as old as this, there's going to be so many variants. Um, that's the interesting thing that I think is when you sit down to watch a silent movie, you're not seeing what a silent movie looked like. If you could Apparently, if you get your hands on seeing a really virgin print of a silent movie, it looks incredibly crystal clear. But we're so used to seeing, I don't know if this is an answer print or, or, or a dupe copy, but the sort of herky-jerkiness and the, the sort of stuff that we think is inherent in silent film is actually sort of a, a factor of degradation mm-hmm. of, yeah. of the movie. It would have looked amazing on the first you know, oh, sure. night or whatever. Right. Yeah. But we don't have the original negative and stuff from we have like copy of copy is like the or source for this that's left. I mean, 50% of all movies before 1950 are gone. So silent movies, probably more like 70%. of Well, uh, this is this is Murnau's 10th movie, but it's the only it's the earliest one that exists in full. Was it was I mean, the movie was didn't uh, legally they were so they were supposed to destroy. That's what I want to get to. Yeah. Okay. Because you meant you survived. Yeah, Yancey, you and Abe, you already brought up the idea that whether or not this this, no, this tinting is actually true. I highly doubt it as well, because, yes, the because this is an unofficial adaptation of Bram Stoker's Dracula, they the uh, the the Stoker estate, I assume, sued and won. And, and it was determined that they would destroy all prints of this movie yeah. uh, by burning them just like witches. And um, <laughs> some survived, obviously, because here we are. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, and even then, I can't imagine it being, you know, that easy to, and, you know, even like, it's, it's, it's kind of a miracle that like a print of this exists to begin with. Like, there's only, right, one, yeah. there's only like one camera they shot this all on, one print made. They had to duplicate yeah. it from there, obviously, but it's like, yeah. I mean, he already, Murnau already had a reputation as a great director in Germany based on those first nine movies. And uh-huh. all, can't see them. And yeah. this one survived somehow. And then after this, he does, uh, you know, Faust and the, uh, the Last Laugh. And then he goes to America, mm-hmm. you know. So most of his German movies are gone. And this Which was is... supposed to be the one that didn't, that legally should have been gone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Interesting. So it's, it's, it is, it's a while that this film still exists. And yeah, I'd imagine that taking the, you know, the various prints from there, excuse me, doing various things with them as far as how to restore them, how to preserve them, what have you, would lead to. I don't even know if this is considered the 
you know, because of all the different soundtracks and everything, I don't know what the definitive version of because that doesn't exist, right? Well, yeah, because <laughs> right, what, what, right. What, I mean, the score. the score was played live, so we have the sheet music from whatever they would they would play live. But it would, I mean, in the but he, back in the day, they would. That's why you have an overture because it's them warming up to get ready to play for the the entirety of the film. And even and then, like the, the score, the score by uh, Hans Erdmann is mostly been lost i mean we right don't, yeah we don't, have, we don't have most of the music right. like there's just so little of i mean it, we, we've never done a commentary in a film like we i mean we can go over like where film was at this time even because it's not something we've really talked about and i don't well, know sure. if we'll we'll go over again we can talk about it because i mean well i'm just the just the general idea that film's still being discovered in 1922 mm-hmm. as even like mm-hmm. a long narrative form how mm-hmm. to present it the, the tenth probably a novelty added um if if it's true to existing and then you know you have an overture the the score like just just differences in you know how things were made and this is probably hung on as long as it is is beloved because it is compared to a lot of other things closer it, to what we would enjoy modern more modern type yeah, yeah, yeah the horror movie yeah. it's a it's a it's a very um Give it how horror always sells. This is a, uh, the, uh, you know, an epitome of how that works as far as movies that still exist now. <laughs> and the funny thing is, like Dracula, like the book that they're not, and this is the first one to do that. Like it's it's a series of letters and stuff like yeah. that. And this is the first one to say, screw that. And it's like one of the first adaptations and just it, it finds itself a narrative out of those letters. Like we, we also like, not, just to, just to, to add to that, Bernal was very much ahead of his time when it comes yeah. to this kind of thing. Like he very much had ideas right. of what to do here. I mean, obviously, there's lots of filmmakers at this time that are finding ambitious ways to do things that you just haven't seen before, mainly because there's mm-hmm. no film, be- you know, ten years earlier, basically, as far as this kind of thing. So and, a lot of it hasn't been seen before. But right, and not but, his yeah. first rodeo with horror too. He did like a haunted yeah. house movie before. He did a he did a Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. Nice to see. Yeah, the interesting thing I realized about this just in the week coming up to our recording this commentary is that Dracula, the Bram Stoker novel, is set um, in that well, then would be modern times. It was set in whatever year it was. This is set 60 years earlier in the sort of Grimm Brothers fairy tales days mm-hmm. because apparently mm-hmm. everything Germans were seeing in the Weimar Republic days were fantasies and folklores. And this mm-hmm. is how you spoke to the German people by setting it in this sort of slightly more. Uh, less, you know, pre-industrial revolution era. So this version of Dracula is is set seventy or eighty years before the book was written. Yeah, as a way to little, make it more palatable to the German the German people. Little known fact: all the kind of all the sets are uh, made from gingerbread too. To really hammer that. Wow, delicious! <laughs> and they were court ordered to be eaten upon. <laughs> yeah, they wanted to destroy all evidence of this movie. Yeah. Uh, it's wild that that was a decree get rid destroy all the prints like that that, that's people (laughs) didn't understand it like the lasting power or the value of stuff like um it's really like the bbc like in television they used to wipe their program tapes and like re-record over them to save space yeah they would they would i mean there's miss they have efforts to recover and find stuff that's like missing forever and 
Um, there was a luck as luck would have it, like Terry Jones got wind of when Monty Python's Flying Circus was going to be um, oh, erased, okay. and he went, he ran down there, got it, and I think he paid somebody oh. like to have it, and that's why we have it. Terry Jones wow. saved it from being. Yeah, we have the Blu-ray erased. Yeah, up till like the 1970s, they were erasing them, and actors' contracts back then, um, they were against it because like it was a performance, and they were treating it so much like theater. Theaters. So yeah. Why would especially the in reruns? Germany, yeah, like, like theater, yeah. you're taking advantage of that actor by redoing the same performance, and da da da, and they're only paying them so such and such. So it was a just early discovery and stuff like like a film. Like yeah, trash it. <laughs> That's the only way to keep it from making money, or right. that'll teach them. It's uh, a weird form of gatekeeping. Yeah, it's it's but also it's, just the fact that celluloid is so, uh, it, 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 what is it, unstable? You know, uh, is there? Think about that. Think, think about the fact that you think about the fact that so many movies are missing. You have to con- concur that you can't do a real survey of movies before 1950. You can only do a partial one. Is there any instance where a piece of like, like a painting was told to be destroyed for some reason? Like I'm sure. I'm sure that happened. I can't imagine that not happening at some point. Uh, You need one copy of this in some theater somewhere hiding in the back room for several years. I know in the case of like wars and takeovers and stuff, they would, probably trash all their stuff yeah. and Actually, the world war ii happened I'd, later. I'd assume the same about I'd, I'd assume the same about books and manuscripts like mm-hmm. things that are just you know this kind of depiction of the other and you know right. how to, you know get rid of all of this just burn it you know burn all yeah. of it um i by the way we just got went over this whole bar sequence yeah. where where do, it's not Jonathan. What's his name? I never remember the name. Utter. <laughs> Utter. Utter. Uh, but he's like, I'm going to Count Orlock. They're right. Like, I, is, is this like the first that's... instance of that in a, uh, in a film? I was about to say, like, I feel like that's like it's established. Yeah, I think so. It's like, yeah. hey, can you tell me how to get to Camp Crystal Lake? <laughs> it's this like, yeah, it's what? this weird trope of like everyone in the town already knows the evil thing and they're shocked right. about someone referencing Don't it. Don't go there. I mean, the, the, night, dude. It's got a dead Some of these talk- things originated here. Some of these cli- yeah. sort of movies, movies, Dracula cliches started with this movie. And they, I mean, they referenced, I don't know a, were- the they, novel. They referenced a werewolf like lur- lurking around. It made mm-hmm. me think of this. That's, that's basically the opening of American Werewolf in London. <laughs> like, yeah. Random people come in, they ask about a thing, and they're like being all cautious about it. Yeah, that's the like. I mean, talking about like things like Skull Island would have that kind of mysticism. Like, where are you going uh, there? Um, yeah, you know, Crystal Lake is a place like that. Yeah, uh, every to every Dracula movie has the scene where Jonathan Harker stops in and they're like, oh, we, we ain't taking yeah, you there. Castle Dracula, are you? Yeah, yeah. There was a period there where my buddy said every other horror movie has this story of a real estate agent going up to, to see his <laughs> castle. <laughs> Um, in the in the in the is there a Jonathan Harker in the Bell Lugosi version or is it just Renfield? If you watched Renfield go up there and get turned into a whatever, right? Yeah, I think they, they it, twisted it's, it's, it, yeah. Yeah, it's like a combination thing they go for in the Lugosi version. And they, they kind of cha- um Harker in in the hammer one, uh he's going up for uh library purposes like he's a professional librarian and he's translating or keeping the records of the family blah 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 it's not real estate related in the the hammer one which is interesting mm. I, I i think dracula is such a fascinating thing to just it's one of the best things to just okay let's see this interpretation or this inter like it's one that people i think just allow um 
the truth of like adaptation of allowing somebody to truly adapt and see what they have in it because i don't i don't i don't feel like people get really fanboyish up in arms about how it's presented it, certain things yeah i mean it, it, yes and no right like on right. the one hand yes it's great to see, we've had so many versions so clearly mm-hmm. there's an attempt to make make sure <laughs> that there's some kind of i don't know validity or whatever you want to call it to the way they're taking on dracula but at the same time there is this way i mean the, the stokers they literally burned the movie like because they didn't mm-hmm. want it mm-hmm. version being out there uh but like that is something I like about like vampire stuff to begin with, where people want to make fun of things like Twilight or whatever. But what I like about the vampire thing is that there are, I mean, and it applies to most things, but because there's so much vampire stuff, the rules alter all the time, right? There's so much fun to have yep. with how yep. the movie's particular mm-hmm. version of, of a vampire works from near dark to from dust till dawn to this to Bram Stoker. Like there's, you know, like there's, some obvious things that kind of never really go away, but even those get like altered somehow as far mm-hmm. as, you know, how stakes work or whatever. I mean, it's, I, I find that to be pretty interesting. And yeah, that does speak to the kind of notion that, you know, we, we've taken this concept of a vampire and we just kind of run with it. Like we just kind of do it, do what makes sense to us for this version. Mm-hmm. Well, these are, um, also like, I don't know. Uh, it's Dracula's story always going to come back. Oh, like, and I, I've never, you never hear with like Dracula, like, Oh, another one of these. Like, like you do when you get like, when you would get like another Jason movie or something like that, when he's uh-huh. essentially, they were essentially now, I mean, those guys are now at such an age that they are like what Dracula was that when I was growing up age, what distance wise yeah. from like the, the thirties films or whatever. Um, but you know, I I just can't recall everybody like if there's another Frankenstein movie made or a werewolf movie or Wolfman movie. It's like oh, another one of these, which is like they they would do with like a Leatherface or like a Jason yeah. or a Michael Myers. <laughs> kind of like, has to do with like the framework has to change has to change more so than like Jason's going to. It's like okay, so we're going back to the camp again. We're going to do the thing. Now, mm-hmm. now, obviously, that intrigues certain people, plenty of people. It's a franchise that has yeah. ten entries. Like it's obviously working to some degree. Mm-hmm. But I I can right. under, I can understand a Dracula movie. You know, you're not necessarily going to see the same type of thing all the time, right? There's there's a lot of wiggle room for yeah what the approach is going to be, even if it's still set in Transylvania. I mean, it wasn't Germany. around for the yeah. first run of the Hammer ones, where people uh-huh. might have been like, God, again, that that maybe they were saying it Perhaps. back then, because that series is very much the proto Friday the Thirteenth. Uh-huh. Um, but I wasn't around then, and I've never found anything in my research that are like people getting tired of how. Oh, the Frankenstein or or well, they're also not called like Frankenstein two and whatnot, right? right? right. I mean, it's, it's, it's trying to it's trying to market so which may, I mean it makes a difference as far as it does yeah. a certain yeah. kind of expectation you have uh, by by not using numbers and not relying right. heavily on continuity. It's just more of yeah, here's our latest version of this thing. Also, social media doesn't exist, right? <laughs> There's people that are less. Well, I mean, even in the eighties, <laughs> I mean, in the eighties and nineties, they were sure. every time you got a sequel, so. This is definitely, I don't know if we think about it this way anymore, but for a long time, Dracula had serious power because it was a story of the old world coming in and infecting the new world, you know, this old world creepiness coming across the water and infecting what we thought of as the modern world. I don't know whether that is a compelling thing to people anymore. I don't know whether modern Dracula movies do that, but. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's it less about the, it's does. less about the kind of the control aspect that a force has over a nation and more about the 
you know, the sexiness and the charisma of one guy that can control. This is not a sexy Dracula. We're talking about. Oh, no. <laughs> Count Orlock is not. I don't he's, know, not he's very tall. He's not the. He's not he's the. He's not bringing tall. sexy back like Justin Timberlake when he comes on that ship. Wonderful hair, ear hair, and rat like teeth. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, there's. The, the there's a version of Dracula that's certainly been adopted now by people that focuses less on how horrific he can be. That's maybe a part of it, but it's more like the power dynamic that comes from his charisma and how he can seduce. Right, right. right. Well, it's funny. Even the, even this movie has a seduction. It's just you know it's from this right. creepy guy with fingernails. <laughs> right. Which the visage of of this Count Orlock one is used to, well, and again in um, Salem's Lot and the uh-huh. um, uh, Herzog. One I can't. What other aside from Shadow of the Vampire, which is basically I mean, it, it's made. Fun of brought to and what, we do, what we do in the shadows. Yeah. What we do in the shadows, yep. like has it. And I mean, there's like there's monstrous versions of vampire. Oh, that's a, I love his Robin Hood mm-hmm. costume that he wears for this. It's so great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys um, himself. Times are hard in Castle Orlock. Yeah, but that's cool the way they did I, that. The I like that he has his own carriage and he does his own valet service. That's nice. <laughs> now, I love. I don't know if you guys have seen. I love the Herzog seventy nine. It's great. I, it's, yeah, it's a it's actual horror captured on film. That movie just looks. The look of it just gives me the willies looking at it. Like I, it's wonderful. And I was trying to remember. There are three vampire movies that came out in seventy nine. Dracula with Langella, Nosferatu mm-hmm. with Fox put out, and then and the uh, yeah. uh, Love at First Bite. Oh, is it Love at First Bite? Mm-hmm. That makes yep. sense. Oh, it's a year of Dracula. Good title. Yeah, it's a good title. Yeah. But I was listening to the commentary years ago on the Herzog Nosferatu, and he thinks this is the most important, important German film ever. But for kind of a dark reason, and I've seen it written elsewhere that the portrayal of Orlock here is pretty anti-Semitic. To to, huh. to to bring up this week of all weeks, that there's a real commonality between the way Orlock looks and the way the worst kind of. Jewish, uh, of a Jewish person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has like a rat feet that he brings rats and, and her, her, I don't know if Herzog's crazy, but he thinks that this movie actually had a huge effect on the next 20, 30 years in Germany and sort of bringing about this mood, predicting, predicting the mood. I mean, it's certainly not as explicit as I mean, something like outside. it's yeah. not as, you know, it's not as explicit as something like birth of a nation sparking the KKK again. But I mean, no. I, no. I, I don't think, yeah, I don't think this movie's like, nestling in ideas into the whole population of Germany as far as their regard for Jews. But I, because I've heard this argument before, uh, beyond just Herzog, and I've, I listened to that commentary fairly recently, too, because um, I, I also think that movie's wonderful. Um, but I mean, I mean, yeah, there's, because it's like stuff in the novel also, like it's not coming from nowhere, right? The descriptions are, too, yeah. Ha- yeah, and it's, but the, I mean, I it just seems like, I mean, Regardless of the takeaway from that, I certainly don't think it's from Murnau's. No, I don't think that's there. For one thing, Murnau was gay. I mean, I just don't like he like he has other ideas going on as far as what he wants to bring on into like the subtext of this film that don't amount to, you know, who and who isn't evil in some capacity and like what that wants to represent. No, I don't think anyone involved was actually going for that. Just that it's sort of. I can teach. I can see where mood that was mm-hmm. going to growing and growing, you know, the outsider, the invader, and it's this rat, dirty, filthy plague, you know. Right. Um, Count I Orlock. Think, I don't think Goldstein. it plays that way for modern people, but 
And that's the end of Act One. He's arrived at Count Orlock's castle. All right, stay tuned tomorrow <laughs> for Act Two. Yeah, we're going. We'll be back. <laughs> oh, this is <laughs> oh, a series. At the time, the German, the German, the German, German cinema in the Weimar Republic was all very based on theater. Like they wanted it to be like the theater. So yeah. there's Act One, Act Two. There's the orchestra playing. Yeah. Um, you, it's interesting. Apparently, they said there's no time ever in the history of filmmaking anywhere where being a director had more appeal and glamour than during this Weimar period where the directors really were uh, sort of looked up to and could do anything. Yeah, because it switches pretty quickly to like producer driven stuff, especially yeah. in Hollywood, obviously, yeah. uh, where the director's just kind of like the guy that helps things come together. Same with like the editor. It's like, yeah, you're, you're all pieces of a cog with the producer, you know, your Xanax and what have you. They're they're the ones that are mm-hmm. leading the charge and getting these things made. I mean, it's really is a cycle between like being director driven eras and producers. Yeah. Then the producer winds up taking over yet again. Uh, we're sort of in that producer driven era right now, almost. Um it's got it's it's reached a sort of weird apex as far as because of the nature of these movies that you know can operate like especially like marvel or series where they can operate like tv seasons so you have not just producers but showrunners right you have people that are overlooking the entire saga that's going on you have your feige you have your you have kathleen kennedy you you have (laughs) james gunn now apparently i mean so you have Um, so yeah, it's it's not just like a producer that's on one film; it's a producer that's you know the whole shebang. Yeah, we should talk about Max Shrek. <laughs> right. He's such a he's such an incredible figure and such a great find. I love this theory that it's like it was that there's no actual person named Max Shrek. It's just like some like pseudonym for some other actor. Other actor. <laughs> I saw that. It's our second, com- second commentary talking about a Max Shrek. Yeah, uh, Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but yeah, like I, there's a lot of mystery around this guy, right? There's not there, like there's stuff known, but like it seems like just wasn't the person that was in the limelight. So he doesn't have like a whole lot to go for as far as like the history of this actor mm-hmm. uh, to the extent that Willem Dafoe could play him as an actual vampire in a movie, which is actual really funny. Vampire, yeah. <laughs> uh, but like what a especially we're watching a silent film. What a you know, what a performance it stands out. It's like between the the makeup and what have you, but just like his otherworldly presence that he has, the way he moves, the way he uses his body, which is like slender and long. Yeah, it's just it's a lot of why I really like this movie and why it stands out to me is just a vampire that I really appreciate as far in the realm of cinematic vampires. This is why silent movies are so great. People think I would never watch a silent movie in my life, etc. Silent movies are people discovering what movies can do. And there's so many mm-hmm. tricks, uh, camera tricks going on in this movie. It's so alive with the possibilities. Mm-hmm. I, used to, I, mean, I used to hear, a, 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 you know, one of these random statements that people would say was that if sound had come in 10 or 15 years later, movies would have developed much more visually before sound kind of changed things fundamentally. That's it's like a weird I it's a weird thought when you think about like the amount of stuff that we already kind of had before like things got advanced. Like you look at you look at the the George Moray's film, you look mm-hmm. at the old silent yeah. stuff, which is you know, like even like this, like we're talking about black and white, it's like color's been around, like they could paint the 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 fr- the still the frames and what have you, but it's just yeah. fucking pain in the ass. Like it's like why? It's like, a lot of yeah. it's a lot of work. <laughs> oh, you made him a bunt cake. Nice. Hey, did- classic <laughs> classic warlock. <laughs> Yes, That's how you say hello in in his castle. Yeah. I never bunt cake. Uh, I mean, there's so much innovation that yeah, it was just clearly coming from the the get go. 
people. It's not like people discovered how to do special effects later. It's like people were there trying stuff all the time. Like right. it was, there was plenty of wild things. I mean, we talked about this before in one of our horror episodes, right? We're like invisible man technology. They just seem to nail that right away. Like, yeah. It's like, it's it's like that, that's, that's always man, been yeah. like the, you know, an easy one to get. <laughs> they made, they do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like nowadays you can obviously use CG or what have you and you know things, but like the, the, the Claude Rains one, like, you can watch that as well without any crutch of history. It just works yeah. great. Yeah. You know, it, Yancey mentioned about, you know, them wanting it to look like stagey and everything. Um, and theater, like, I, it's totally crazy. Like, this scale works in this weird, uh, for the interiors in this weird uh, degree here for me, like, where it's like, it looks big, but I know it's a small little room they're filming in. Yeah. And they do it, like, I get the a real sense of like, yep, this is it. The camera's capturing every part of this room, but the lens is making it look deeper. It's making it look a little more grand, but you, you just kind of like, I don't know, it's got this tangible sense of I feel like I could know what it's like to be on that set a little bit. Yeah. yeah I, it's funny, like, and it's weird just... that a lot of movies don't do that. And <laughs> not even today, not even that. Like, I, I sort of like get how, like, what they're working with here. And weird. I, had, uh, yeah weird weird example but like you know the oscars are the dolby cinema right the right. Dolby, the uh, the dolby theater i've been in that theater it's a lot smaller than you would think oh, yeah. it is based on how it looks on abc when you watch the oscars well <laughs> like, i mean like, also like yeah if you've ever been in like a talk show studio uh oh, like, yeah, they're, back yeah. in the day they're they are like i mean you have college like halls lecture halls bigger than that and mm-hmm. um like snl studio is is small uh and but everything is the right. wide angle lens that makes it look like a it's grand a, right. room it's, going it's tra- on. Estimate to direction. Like you've talked about this, like you have yeah. the, the Bela Lugosi Dracula, then you have the Spanish Dracula. The Spanish yep. Dracula is a better made movie and it's using the exact same sets yeah. as the Hollywood Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. It's, better it's, it's, Dracula in the, in the, in the top Browning. But yeah. Yeah. That, yeah the difference, better, but yeah, it's the, yeah. The difference is one has the best, the better Dracula. One's got the, production but their production was also based upon reacting to they they could watch the da- the dailies and whatnot of That's browning's crazy. film they heard about the troubles with browning's film during the day but that one's a little bit more innovative and bold in some of its camera usage too um yeah not that i mean it's funny to say like oh it's better made but todd browning's dracula is still the amazing classic it's it is. It's a classic, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's would, just you, like, would you call that a remake? Would you call that a Spanish remake of Dracula, given that it's using the exact same stuff? And yeah, it's just the a same different time at night. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's just a coincidence. It's a, you know, they didn't have what they weren't doing dual audio tracks back then. So it was just, there's a lot, there's uh, plenty of other movies that were like shot concurrently, right? Because sure. it's like the, the day shoots the American version, the night shoots the Spanish version or whatever. And, they used to do like the one version would be flat and one would be Tadeo 35, like Oklahoma mm-hmm. has two different versions that are entirely different cakes, you know. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, there's that too. Um, the one crazy thing with going in the future, or whatever, Kubrick, um, at the uh, heard of him, he, yeah, uh, he would <laughs> shoot, he would shoot his movies, uh, with TV safe in mind. So, yeah, um, he's got this beautiful cinematography that works just as effectively in four by three as it does 16 by nine. Um, but he kept he always kept that in mind and stuff. And so like wires would be around and framing would work in both ways with his same takes. It's incredible what he could pull off. And there was um the 
there was a mistake, I believe, on DVD or something with like Full Metal Jacket and The Shining where they were in 4x3 when they first came out or something mm-hmm. like that. And they had to reissue them. But um, I think when he was alive, he was still insisting on the 4x3. And then after he died, they put out the Letterbox version. Yeah, okay. I think that's what it was. All right. That might have been it. But yeah, he, yeah. Something about the the way we're seeing Orlap right now is they're debating like accounting issues, <laughs> which right. is I'm sure intensely fascinating. Real estate and accounting. What I like about what they're doing with them is we haven't seen the full extent of Orlap yet, but he still looks relatively human, right? Yeah, like there's bit, yeah. something about just the way he's, he's got He's got his cap on. He's got that big hat on. He's got those big eyebrows or whatnot. Like it's still like he seems plausible as a human. I love being that still. clock, and and the fact that yeah. we're going to get like this otherworldly version of him shortly, it, I again I think it's just impressive on the filmmaking standpoint where you can transform a person by doing very little. Like we're there, there it is. Yep. Looks like yeah. a fucking vampire now. Like it's yep. crazy. Like, he's frightened. He should be frightened. He does. Yeah, he's, he's that's the word I was going to say. Like he actually does look frightening. Yeah, yeah. that wood grain's totally drawn on yeah. on that door. <laughs> <laughs> really oh yeah i can tell that's marker or it's, something yeah, yeah it's it's, big, awesome. yeah. it's fancy wallpaper yeah and get really your old the way that they wallpaper. designed the sets here so that he fits the actual archway even though he's only like six three yeah so no but it's it's so much more imagine i don't know my imagination runs wild it feels fairy tale-esque in a in a way just mm. the the idea to shoot it this way with the staginess and stuff. It, I don't know. It, it it works so well for me. Yeah, this guy's not very good at hiding. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's trying he's to go to sleep. Just, just, maybe it's all in his head. It's so interesting that almost every other vampire ever on screen is sexy and seductive. Even Bella Lugosi, the women we're crazy for, like it's the so most, funny. some would say. Oh yeah, there's that beautiful hairline. Yeah, but I mean, think Franklin, Jella, Gary Oldman, all the vampires. Jack Palance, even Jack Palance is at least a presentable fellow. But Les, this guy, Leslie Nielsen, this guy couldn't go outside in the daytime, other than being a vampire. He's he's obviously a, a monster. John John Carradine. Yeah, notable sex pot that John Carradine. Uh, but uh, ver- versatile universal monster actor Gerard Butler. <laughs> he's, 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 he knocked he's, two off the list. He's a phantom. He's, he's a, a phantom. Exactly. He's a phantom. He's a Dracula. He needs to be a Frankenstein monster. Do they have a Dracula picked out for Monsterverse? For what? The monster. The, the Dark Universe. Dark universe. Dark, who is who is going to well, be Dracula? They were they were. It was heavily rumored that DiCaprio. Right. They wanted DiCaprio. Oh wow. Oh. That's what they they were. I, I believe they were dumping um. Uh, dump trucks of money uh, into his driveway until the mummy didn't work out the way they wanted to do it. Then they they proceeded oh. to take the dump trucks back. It was going to take a lot for people to forget Jonathan Reese Myers. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that the whole dark universe that the idea was that to make it very star driven, which makes sense. I mean, you look at the nineties. I mean, those were star driven films too. Jack Nicholson, Gary Oldman, mm-hmm. uh, yep. uh, De Niro, Kenneth Branagh. Right, uh, John, John Malkovich and Julia Roberts as Mary Riley. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've never seen Mary Riley, a Stephen Frears film. It's probably I've okay. never seen well, it. Either. was supposed to, it was but, supposed to be but, Tim Burton. But the but the only thing I remember about it is the trailer where it's Mary Riley. That's the one thing I know about that movie. <laughs> yep. 
I hope I that's how it starts Malkovich. too. I, I, hope the, I hope the intro. I don't think I want to see Malkovich play that part. You want to see Malkovich as, as Doctor Jekyll? More, I don't want to see it with Mister Hyde. Why? Russell Crowe pulled it off just by standing more intently. Huh. I already forgot about that. Yeah, you're <laughs> right about that too. Maybe <laughs> anything. You don't think, you don't think John Malkovich Do- could be a dude, Mister Hyde? Hey, it'd be better than Jacqueline Hyde. Dot dot dot. Together again. Exclamation oh, point. Uh, what was that guy's name? <laughs> yeah, the guy from Fridays. It's, it probably, it's probably better than Doctor Jekyll and Ms. Hyde with Tim mm. Daly and Sean Young. Tim Daly. Oh, that's Dr. a Sean Young. I haven't heard that name in a while. Doctor Heckle and Mister Hype. And a nice fake beards. A lot of fake beards in here. <laughs> That's a charm. You know, uh, recently though, I, I really like the um, Stephen Moffat uh, Dracula with the that Klaus Bang guy. He had a really yeah, he had a really unique take on Dracula, and I mean the story was cool too. Um, for a mini series, it was mini series, three parts, but um, the Klaus Bang he wasn't didn't play it in your traditional way, Dracula, which was refreshing to see a nice newer take. It seemed like it was not necessarily channeling, but it seemed more akin to something like Mads Mikkelsen's Lecter. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, mm. yep. Yeah. I get you. I get you. Yeah, yeah. I've only I've only seen the first part still. I never finished it uh, for oh. whatever reason. I, probably because they're all like an hour and a half, and somehow yeah. I haven't found like the like time to Sherlock, be like, though, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're like exactly. It's like the Sherlock episode, so it's. I have no excuse. It's been like three years. <laughs> no excuse to like not have finished because I really I like the first one and it's quite bloody. Yeah. Um, but but I'll yeah I'll finish it off. Welcome yeah. to my world, Aaron. Mm-hmm. Well, at least I finished the whole episode. It's not like I watched part of the episode. <laughs> I'll get back to them late uh, later. <laughs> oh, that's a big door. Where'd they uh where'd they go to shoot these exteriors of the castle stuff? That's a fun question. Oh. Um. A lot of this was shot on location, but I, I can't imagine they went to castles. Mm-hmm. And what uh, was John Carradine? Vismar, the, first... the city Vismar, of Vismar, okay. yeah, northeastern Germany. Hmm. It's cracked. Um, it's not even closed. The damn good. You can see his also... face right through. And what was John Carradine and... was the first um, to accurately play Dracula with a mustache? Because he has one oh, in the house book. Of Frankenstein or something. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. He, he has one in the book, and then uh, Peter. Really? Or, yeah. I was gonna say Cushing. One of those guys didn't do it first. Uh, well, no. Uh, it was Carradine in the forties with the House of well, that, Dracula, that House of Frankenstein, and yeah. then Christopher Lee in a movie called Count Dracula, which wasn't a Hammer one. He played Dracula yeah. and had the mustache. I wonder what that money was like. You want me to go outside Hammer to make a Dracula movie? Spanish yeah. movie. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. I need, I need something outside of these damn Hammer movies. <laughs> yeah, you want to play Dracula in my movie? Fine. Sure. This is great. This is stop motion stuff that they yeah. do sort of with right. up. Very cool. I like that it has, again, just innovative ways to show his powers. It's like, yeah, he's super fast and can hold stuff and, I guess, levitate boxes. <laughs> Getting in the it's always an interesting setup for this story that sort of the main character is left behind as Dracula takes off to go get his girlfriend, <laughs> like go live in his city. 
he's stuck behind in this castle, and this focus has to shift from Hutter to whoever they call Mina in this one. Mm-hmm. It's Ellen this time around. Yeah. Somebody's making a movie right now just about the ship. The yeah, I, that was there was it's supposed really, to be Neil Marshall. He was supposed to be making it? one. Yeah, but yeah, um, I believe Scott Mendel's in front of the show. He saw the preview they had at CinemaCon back in like April or May, and mm-hmm. I, I was certainly intrigued by this premise. That just sounds really cool. A movie yep. just about the voyage that that Dracula took to get to to get to Europe. Um, <laughs> and then of course we have Renfield coming up too, with Nicholas Holt as Renfield and Nicholas Cage, the two Nicks. As uh, yeah. Dracula, <laughs> two Nicks. There's only two of them in Hollywood. Yeah, too many Nicks. <laughs> so yeah, there's certainly just various ways to keep adapting mm-hmm. the story, and we 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 can't forget, you know, when they finally told us the untold story of Dracula with with uh, with Luke uh, Luke with, Evans. Yeah, remember yeah. when he remember when Dracula was untold, and then we they told us, and we're like, oh, okay, we're like, oh wow, yeah. that actually added a lot. Which, uh, and that's the end. We... That's the end of Act Two. <laughs> All right, tune in tomorrow as yeah. Abe reveals <laughs> to us his top tomorrow. five Dracula performances of all time. <laughs> First that Bugs Bunny episode number three will surprise you. A- Abe, do you have a favorite Dracula? Do I have a favorite Dracula? Yeah, not off the top of my head, no. But if I thought about it, it'd probably be some goofy list where it's like some obscure uh, Dracula that's being played by Mr. Burns or something like that. Hold Which on. is a knockoff of Bram Stoker's Dracula, <laughs> but uh, with Gary Oldman. But no, not off the top of my head. No. Remember when Batman versus Dracula? Remember saw that, but yeah, the Batman. Oh, the Batman versus Dracula. That's what. Yeah, that was a thing. I wonder if Marvel will bring their Dracula in. He has a mustache. The Tomb of Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure Mahershala Ali can fight him someday. <laughs> Yeah, someday. Yeah. Well, they did. What are you talking about? They did bring Dracula and Blade, Tr- Blade Trinity, of course. Still unseen by me, the third Blade movie. Probably Same. Yeah. It's just good. I heard that, that, that that should be a Dracula Untold for you. That's the <laughs> well. I call, I call <laughs> that Dracula Untold. Wasn't Untold like Beta uh, Dark Universe? Well, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was its own thing, and then they were just starting the Dark Universe thing. So they were like retrofitted it a bit by adding like one scene at the end with Charles, Charles, the man's dance, um, as I call him, mm-hmm. um, basically just saying like, and the games begin. Um, and then the games never began. So, <laughs> And then there was Dracula 2000, which I never even came close to. It was like a series, right? In like the 90s, Dracula 2000. Oh, Dominic I thought that was a movie. There, there was Dracula 2000. It was a West West Craven produced it. Uh-huh. Um and then they made some straight to video sequels, which uh did star Roy Scheider. Wow, some of his last movies. Uh-huh. All right, got uh, Yeah, it's and, and to be clear, uh, Dracula 2000 was called uh, the sequel's called Dracula 2 Ascension. Yeah, and then you add Dracula 3 Legacy. So there are prequels. Um, yeah. And there was Dracula 3000. There's Dracula 3000, which had Coolio and Casper Van Dien. Yeah, Dream Team. And- it is awful. <laughs> I, I did that one back in my old show called Cinema Cavalcade, and that one was like, I I can barely find a nice thing to say about this movie. Now, does Casper Vendian get beheaded in that one, too? No. 
I don't think so. Oh, he's a but, he's a horror all star. Also, when it comes to these, he's done a but, Dracula. He did a headless horseman. Yeah, he didn't get beheaded. He got cut in half. And I, oh, that's right. yeah. You got, I you hate got, to, I hate yeah. to speak ill of the dead, but Coolio was one of the worst vampires ever captured on screen. I, oh, is well, that true? Poor dude. Yeah, I. Yeah, unfortunate. Yeah. I'm for yeah, yeah, very unfortunate. Not everyone can do it. And that movie I, just kind of it ends like uh, I think we're out of money now. Okay, the end. Tune next good. time for Dracula Four Thousand. <laughs> next, uh, yeah, next time on Dracula Four Thousand. I've got a great uh, Ponzi scheme for you guys. We could just fundraise for Dracula Four Thousand. It's set in AI universe. It's just mechas and then age Dracula. <laughs> it's like draining the blood of these things. Like I can't get any blood out mm-hmm. of this. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, vampires. Yeah, like you said, Aaron. Cool thing. Like I just remember another awesome take on vampires. Life Force. Such yeah, space, cool space vampires. Space vampires. What else do you so want? Cool. <laughs> Yep, so cool. You Metallic the last space vampires. That's what Dracula. I mean. The what? The last Hammer Dracula. Oh yeah, with the Shaw Brothers, Legend of the Seven Gold Vampires. Seven. Oh, I guess yeah. I'm not thinking the last one with Chris Lee, the Satanic Rites of Dracula. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, where he wants to. Where the plot is, Dracula wants to. I think he wants to release a plague on the earth to kill yep. everything but the rats, so he can just live with the rats. Yep, and <laughs> he's got a Dracula. biker gang he controls. A biker yeah. gang. It's good. I like this. Sounds but amazing. You know, but you don't know it's, it's Dracula it. till like the end. He's like this shadowy guy behind a yeah, desk most like of the movie. Man. What what's the movie called again? <laughs> the, the Satanic, Satanic Rites of Dracula. But you don't know it's Dracula. It, well, you do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Van Helsing Peter or whatever the Van Helsing Peter Cushing. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Does not recognize that he is. The mysterious businessman is actually Christopher Lee. Is yeah, maybe, maybe wrap his face in bandages to hide. Right. Yeah. One of those classic moves. I do like that we always have someone that goes jump mad. Scares in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of jump scares, not a lot of cats jumping out of closets. <laughs> no, it's generally just characters that you don't expect to have mustaches that turn around. Then it's like, oh, he does have a mustache. I was going to say, are you guys sure that these are fake mustaches? They look pretty real. <laughs> Some of them have the to be real. Chops. The mutton chops are all real. The, the mutton, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I always like the change in that. That's completely real. I, I always love the change in, in place when you have a person that was. It's like just completely happy, full of life, and then he becomes this like bug eating monster because of what he's right. interactions of Dracula. Lutus Laban, Lutus Laban. They say that so many times in the Herzog uh, movie. I love that. And this is the Renfield character, basically. Yep. Yeah, he's Tom Waits and yeah. Stoker's Dragons. Mm. Yeah. I guess they do the same in, uh, well, no, kind of, because I was. Just, Dracula dead and loving it because I watched that fairly recently because <laughs> yeah because Peter McNichol is the Renfield and I think very he's maybe the highlight of that movie that yeah, I otherwise that's a not. good casting choice in drama it, or it, comedy as a Renfield yeah pretty much mm-hmm. yeah because that's he's the same in Ghostbusters too he's basically playing Renfield in that movie but um going to play Renfield I guess well, yeah Stephen Weber is the Jonathan then in that capacity so he's pronounced Stephen Weber. <laughs> That's what they asked. He asked to be called that on the set of The Shining. This is the in character. Exactly. Um, fun fact I learned about this. Uh, Murnau used a metronome to control the pacing of the acting. Hmm. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, the only other director, I, and I'm sure this is not the first time, but the only other director I know that does that is Mamet. 
Mammoth. Wow. Yeah, right. Really interesting. Yeah, for the language it, or just for the for the, for the language, you know, because his scripts are right. so specific. So yeah, he he's used them. At, I don't know if he used it on the sets, but it, I, I imagine at least in like the rehearsals to some degree, he's used to. Yeah, mm-hmm. Sorry, he certainly always uses them in his plays. But yeah, Mammoth will use metronomes to to really help right. guide the the pace of those performances. I wonder how that applies here in a silent. I mean, you know, regardless, there's. It's weird to think of like the acting at this time where you know that you're you have to register like theater, like you're saying, Brandon, where you mm-hmm. have to kind of play it big because there's no other real way to communicate beyond your face and right. Right. expressions. And that, I mean, they're still speaking on set. They're reading it. They're, For sure. Yeah. Script. Um, but yeah, it's it's quite interesting how acting as said here um but it's also you know the finest points of cinema too is you know the vision the moving visual visuals is what it has over everything else um yeah and this is the highest degree of that because you have to communicate everything it's weird that we've come so far uh, in film and still don't recognize that when it comes to those kind of these you know motion catch mm-hmm. performances stunt work or what have you given how much involved goes into those physical performances and you know we want to hide and you know, it's not like there's not good performances coming out of just actors acting as far as mm-hmm. using their voices or what have you but like the physicality that's on display from so many people like it's a thing that just goes unrecognized year after year well yeah i mean and things keep I don't think like dumbing down because we have to have dialogue in addition to a visual to make sure people got the visual because they know people probably watching at home or whatever, um, looking at their phone aren't. Yeah. And I just, it's funny. Like I, you guys, I believe your episode this week, it uh, talks about tar. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a movie that completely, requires you to be paying attention on screen the whole time and um and rewards I, you for doing so absolutely <laughs> rewards the last you thing, I hate to and say. i've seen complaints about stuff that's clearly stated and and shown showcased in the film saying that they didn't do that or didn't i'm like it and it's 100 there but you you're supposed to be watching and that movie's right. in theaters i don't know how what you're doing um not watching other people just aren't used to that anymore or aren't are they've devolved to where they're not able to put things together anymore because they're so used to either having it spelled out for them or being able to retreat to a Wikipedia page to have it explained to them uh, mm-hmm. again, or just to confound with that. But it used to be, you know, most, a lot of it was just not assumed, but it's, it's just there. It's just like, we, we don't need to like, talk sit and talk about it it's right there so yeah we're in a big dark room with the lights out and the image is huge i mean the obviously you're supposed to keep your eyes on the screen and shut up you'll Mm -hmm. benefit you're supposed to surrender yourself to the film like you're You're supposed to jar for the two hours you know that's all Mm -hmm. you are and you're supposed to and you're supposed to surrender yourself to the filmmakers you know pov and that's something we do less and less it's becoming more profound art we just found this thing we watched it we kind of liked it but uh, i didn't like the ending and and a lot of stuff that comes through too is like it's it's okay to not like films and stuff like that you're not gonna like everything but the the criticisms become like fandom based stuff where um there's like oh well 
I would have done this. It's well, you're not making this film. Right. And two, right. they're also like, it's based on, well, this didn't happen like things before did it. So it's bad. It's like, no, you, you can't just go like things evolve and do different, go different places um, and do different things. Like not, even, not just in like franchise films that, you know, the fans don't know what a new thing is till it happens. And then they don't like it because nothing yeah. came before it was like it. Uh, but like same thing with films and how things can go like non-traditional narratives, um, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, different choices, uh, like focusing on things like, you know, maybe, maybe the person we're watching a movie isn't such a good person or something like that. They, yeah, that's what they'll do. Um, but just real quick, I, I'm thinking about this ship scene and how complicated that might be for the twenties mm-hmm. where like, they have right, the same yeah. thing. like they have yeah. to, so they got to get a ship like that to begin with a clipper ship. Right. And then they have to presumably film on another ship, and like make mm-hmm. that work with yeah. their big bulky camera. Hopefully not drop that into the sea and lose everything. Yeah, I was actually just thinking, like, I wonder if they shot closer to the shore, but like, how did they get those waves? It's not a model. That was. I, I, I thought mean, that too. Yeah. I was wondering about it also. But it's like well, it looks uh, like a ship. Like they probably had an right. actual ship to, and because they, they have to have a set for it and everything too. So. They just filmed themselves getting to set. Like <laughs> <laughs> that sneaky, sneaky move right there. Get the old newspaper out. Boop, boop, boop. See what's going on. Oh, plague, huh? <laughs> I like how like the cop just like, I guess I'll turn my back to this guy. Plague. Carmel's lunatic. Three stars. <laughs> Three stars. <laughs> That's my Yelp review for the plague. <laughs> not not a fan. Period print. Let's go. That's <laughs> what you were saying, Brandon. It's true. It's like for a long, long time the idea was. You know this is not real. You mm. know this is a made-up story. Right, you know exactly. You're going to see the third, the third installment of this story. Just put yourself in the hands of the person telling you this story and see what he gives you. Right. It's not a test to see whether you can see through the bullshit and and see right. why it's not. Yeah. But that's what it's become somehow. It's yeah. Become, I don't know whether it's because everybody wants to make movies and be in movies and make that money, but at some point in our lives it turned from being an antagonistic experience to it turned into being a, well, go ahead and impress me. Why don't you experience right. it? Of, I'm going to close my, eye. I'm going to go into this cave of wonders and see this amazing, you know, and see what this director. Well, it, it's also impressed me by showing. It's also impressed me by showing me a thing I expect to get. That's the other yeah. thing that I have yeah. an issue with. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. impre- impressed me by giving me what I want. You don't know me, but I want this thing. Why? Oh. Because I'm designed to want to feel that way. There's mm-hmm. my pat on the back. There's another pat on the back. I feel seen. A- I've been seen. But the question is, does this evolve then into some other substantial art form that we don't understand? Or is or is well, I mean, um, I'd argue it I argue it has, right? That's I mean that that's where we are. Are those Marvel here. movies? The equal but, of this kind of stuff. I mean, I may be, up, I may be, but even in short form and like watching, you know, these, you know, seeing how social media is taken over when it comes to like TikTok videos and stuff like that. I mean, it, it's a lot of, it's a lot of, you know, that's why you get trends where you have people doing the exact same thing over and over again in different ways, and then it becomes, you know, a viral sensation or what have you. I mean, it's it's giving you that thing you want presented the, you know, what you expect, yet you're still getting the same thing over and over again. Impatience is a big factor. Oh, of course. Obviously. Yeah. There's an entire attention deficit disorder when it comes to media. <laughs> that, that is not that is not a mystery. Well, and, and also, you know, with such a history of films and people wanting to be so into films and stuff that 
there's a, the checklist watching too. Not and not in the I'm studying this or I'm really enjoying films. It's the I have to type thing with right. people, I and because to. and because you have to, then you got to prove why it's not worth worthwhile. Right. If you're not watching it to be entertained or moved, you're not watching it for the right reason. Right. That's what it's exactly. Yeah. It shouldn't be homework. I know the same feeling about some movies I was shown in, in, in the few semesters of film school I took. Children of Paradise, a French movie. I was so ha- unhappy having to watch that in a classroom setting at my desk on a television that I've never gone back and looked at it if it's any good. It's just a shame, you know, because. Oh, that. Yeah, that's actually hilarious because, you know, we would watch like All Quiet on the Western Front after an English class, like in our in our classrooms. And just like, this is actually one of like the best movies ever made. Well, here we are just like yeah. fucking around. It's funny when my uh, Chris. Yeah, Christmas, of course, is when we were going to watch the Seventh Seal, and apparently, uh, it was notorious had been shown in other classes, and people were like, "Oh!" and everybody skipped that day, like, "Oh gosh, this one!" Oh, I fell in Jesus. love with it the minute I saw it, and I was like, "Well, you people are fucking nuts." <laughs> there were, um, and yeah, it was crazy because I, I guess I saw, um, what I was supposed to in that movie, but they're like, "Oh, this one again," and. I would have gladly watched it again <laughs> from the, I think I went out and bought it, uh, the criterion DVD, like yeah. within getting within seeing at that class. So it's like, then you bought the oh. single, right? Yes. Put <laughs> in sync them up watching it. <laughs> I, uh, I actually, you know, I accidentally bought the Demi Moore movie, seventh sign, <laughs> but, but like, yeah, it's just, it's just weird. It's still worth it. Brandon, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's to me. <laughs> uh but yeah no it's 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 weird like that um how people will be in the for forced watching and i i have i'm guilty of watching a movie because it was something i needed to check out and mm-hmm. maybe forcing it in or something but i'm never mad at it or like oh it doesn't deserve to be right brought up here i'm like some of the most important filmmakers and people found something in that movie of course that that gives it its reign of importance regardless of whether if i like it as much or not or see what i was supposed to see in it um but i think it's an ego thing can you drop your ego and see what this guy's or person is offering you and yeah. most people can't these days no yeah yeah they we're all talking about all. Peter right better. Now, right? yeah <laughs> yeah peter peter Gosh. should be here i think that's for the first time with us <laughs> yeah. he would have been like i could have made this better he had, he had a scheduled screening of fall tonight again. So <laughs> again, oh, yes. it would be, but this time in 4D. We got a variety of characters at this uh, in this yes. boat here. We got like a wolf man. We got a hunchback. It seems oh, he just <laughs> he just got mutton chops. It's the monster squall. <laughs> oh, it doesn't. I feel this before where his head gets cut off when he rises up. And that person, he doesn't. You think they filmed that like backwards? Or I saw when he rises up like that. Uh, yeah, that's what I was going to ask, Aaron. Do you think he went backwards? I assume or it's forward? backwards and it's like some kind of lift or something behind him. No, he's I got didn't... strong abs. <laughs> he's not Michael Myers, who strong has ankle, very strong abs. I mean, ankles from <laughs> ankles of steel. Yeah, he's, he, 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 he originated the Michael Jackson lean. Huh. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Michael Jackson needed technology to do his, but Shrek's just like, I got this. I got this. Yeah. Has this one had any kind of funky uh, remixes done with it score wise? Like Metropolis had the 80s where they. Or like with all the Pete Murphy and goth stuff on it. I I don't think anything as popular as the Metropolis stuff, but (laughs) I'd have to assume that it's been done. I mean, I can't wait for Daft Punk to get back together and remake this score. Yeah. Yeah. 
Now, what's the deal? It. What's his name? You're making this movie, or has that been? Has that been Robert? Robert Eggers is officially making this movie. Yep. He has wow. what's his name? He has Pennywise, um, the uh, other Defoe. Skarsgård, uh, Defoe by default. Oh, the other Skarsgård. The, the other Skarsgård. Yeah, Pennywise. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Defoe uh, is not uh, going to play Nosferatu, right? Peter. Peter Skarsgård. Peter? No, right? It's what is it? It's yeah, uh, the guy I, from I Barbarian. Yes. Yeah, the guy from Barbarian. Yeah. <laughs> why why we're getting Skarsgårds all of a sudden? Let's go. Bill, 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 Bill Skarsgård. Ah, William. Yeah, let's go down. Let's go yeah. all the Skarsgårds. Stellan, Alexander, Bill. They are the new Baldwins, guys. They're cousin Peter Sarsgård. They're the new Baldwins. By extension, by, by, by extension, yeah, Peter, Sar- Peter Sarsgård, they're offbeat cousin. That leads to that leads to Maggie Gyllenhaal and Jake Gyllenhaal. All the wow. Skarsgårds. Yeah. Um, all the Skarsgårds. <laughs> Family reunion. Now, which one is Steven? Uh, he's, that's a Baldwin. Um, a Baldwin. So... <laughs> No, but the equivalent. No. I, I, I said I said that the Skarsgårds are the new Baldwins, and oh, I didn't hear that. Sorry. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I was busy making terrible jokes. Um, <laughs> oh, okay, I yeah. made one right in there with you. So, don't but worry. so yeah, it's Bill Skarsgård, and it was gonna be Anya Taylor Joy, but now it's Lily Rose, Lily Rose Depp, Depp's daughter, Johnny Depp's daughter. Oh, interesting. Oh, Anya Taylor Joy is not gonna be in it. That's too bad. She's not gonna be in it because it is too it, bad. Things, you know, things got things because it got delayed and all this I mean, for various reasons. She's also and, very quite famous now. She's yeah, she's quite busy. She was gonna play. Yeah, but she would go. She'll do whatever. Like that's where she got a big break. Was him. Yeah. So well, I would imagine that, she'll do whatever. I think that she mentioned that during the the press tour for uh, the Northman mm-hmm. as well. It's like I'll do anything Robert Eggers does because yeah, Sam Willow and Defoe at this me. point. They just seems like he has his company of players uh, that want to work yeah. with him because uh, he's probably just you know a, a, a good friend of theirs um but and yeah so you brought that up the idea that anya taylor joy perhaps was playing nosferatu we don't know what this is going to be yet we don't know if bill skarsgård is going to be playing nosferatu or if the or if yes you do have i guess in this case lily rose depp playing Scar, uh, nosferatu or if they just have some other some other take sure. i don't know yeah, i don't know right. what that is it'll be like right. I, I wouldn't just, i'm not going to count out robert Eggers because i like his films but it'll be like a completely cg nosferatu and everybody mm-hmm. else is just acting around him i don't know what to expect it's Eggers. It's I ticket purchased. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah. If he's doing Blu-ray, it, there's a 4K there's... bot site unseen. <laughs> yeah. I, yes, I, I'm very curious what it's what that's going to be. Yep. And even if it is just a regular old Bill Skarsgård playing Nosferatu, cool. Let him rack up more monster credits for his for his he's movies. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, it, he's not going to just like this. Isn't yeah. He's got a take on it. So that's I'm sure he does. Yeah, you know, like, I'm not a, yeah. And if he doesn't, oh, whoops, sorry, folks. Here we go. This is this where it comes into town. Yeah, he's coming. Yeah, uh, Santa, is, Santa, 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 Santa Ferratu is coming to town. Santa. Well, so now we know it's a boat for sure, unless it's a really convincing toy on top of the model at this point. But um, it seems like it's a real boat. Well, there's backgrounds here. Shot coming, well, coming up, up here. Up. That. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, it's coming out, but. I feel like rats were a bigger expression back in the day, which makes sense given that there's like dealing with plague times and stuff whatnot. But like, like mm-hmm. in even modern movies today, like rats don't seem to be like as strong of an occurrence. They, they were, I mean, they've been a, I mean, the city of New York has had like rat problems a lot, but for sure, it must have been a constant thing. So here we go. I just don't this, see it very often these days. This is just haunting as hell. Yeah. And, and <laughs> what a it, great it, model. Look at, look at all that. Right. <laughs> Only topped by the, Herzog one, he ups yeah, the ante. Like yeah, I, yeah. that, that boat arriving there in like the early morning when no one's up and stuff. It's just 
one of the spookiest things I've ever seen. Like it gives me chills. I can't explain why there's like an, there's like an empty soullessness. That's like devastating about watching that boat come in. Uh, it comes in Herzog's with, version. And it's not like it's limiting here, but Herzog's able to work with, you know, natural environments and color. Yep. And so he can play into how cold and haunting and whatnot to kind of to, to help build up that atmosphere. Yeah. I just don't know what it is. It just like really unsettles me watching it. And it's, it's amazing. And it's like, this, Kla- and Klaus Kinski is whispering into your ear as you right. watch it. So it's anyways, just yeah. a stupid boat arriving, <laughs> but man, effective. And this one has that. And you know, he's going off that to come up with his own. Stop motion for magic powers is pretty mm-hmm. clever. That's a, that's, oh, a, cool. that's a, that's a good way to go. Yeah. Pretty effective in the Bioshock games. <laughs> exactly. Would you kindly open that door for me? Yeah. Hello. <laughs> See, he's waving. <laughs> this is why they had no sound, because he probably did say that on set one day. Yeah, those those Nosferatu bloopers are all right. Yeah. Hello. Too bad we can't find them. They're all burned up. I believe um, Scott Bayo was, was inspired by that. For, Scott for the, Bayo. For the Swiggy voice. Um. <laughs> Magus Scott Bayo. Yeah, known from such conventions as um, <laughs> Oklahoma and Milwaukee. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, it's not Bram Stoker's, but it, it is incorporated this kind of like lettery type of thing too, like throughout the throughout the film. Like there's this constant mm-hmm. need to kind of in, obviously it's silent film, but I mean, even then, it's still, you know, this isn't dialogue. This is just informing you of what's going on via written documentation. Mm-hmm. That's pretty punk to be like, I'm going to read, I'm going to make an adaptation of Bram Stoker's Dracula and not get the permission. <laughs> right. My own way. Just change the character names. It's a pretty punk way to do it. FW Burnout, original punk. I never drink. You think on one of these takes, they loaded one of those coffins with like, you know, like a hundred pounds or something. And like, oh my God, <laughs> what are you doing? No, they're actually really scared when he goes, actually, they hit so, somebody hit in it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It was Bernal. Like, <laughs> he is a monster. <laughs> he pops out like we have fun here. <laughs> that was their first day. It's like, they're writing this script like I never drink. Dot dot dot. What? Oh, grape juice. <laughs> to get these rats to behave so well, it's, it's incredible. They had the best rat trainers in Germany. I did. I assume. Yeah, we're obviously we're not watching this as a sound on, but the music is very effective here in showing these kind of these mm-hmm. night scenes where, you know, stuff like this where it's just Nasiratu in a courtyard, you know, walking by himself. It's stomping around. It, it's creepy. Yeah, stomping, stomping around. It's creepy. Like it's inherently creepy. Like this is not a movie. made a would... poster of him hanging carrying that. I I hope so. That should be in the yeah. dorms. Yeah. <laughs> not I'm sure that John Waters could do it. Coming to your town. <laughs> yeah. Nice pink highlights. But it's the kind of thing where, like, this movie's not going to, like, particularly scare anybody these days. But I do think if there's the right atmosphere you can put yourself in where you can be legit creeped out by what's mm-hmm. taking place. For sure. You know what's crazy um, is, like, if you were watching this as, as maybe a child, uh, because it's all just visual, um, you could probably scare yourself. Yeah. Well, I mean, to, well, to, the, the image of Nosferatu is, you know, it's a creepy yeah. thing. Like, it's like, what is the way that? that? Like your brain will will put all the pieces together. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty effective. 
kids nowadays don't get a lot of black and white stuff fed to them. So when they see it, it's it's sort of immediately alienating and uh, just kind of unsettling to them a mm-hmm. bit. Because right, I think like Caligari could have the same effect too. Because that's uh, just mm-hmm. it has such a d- deliberate approach to its visuals. Are you talking about DJ or Doctor? Both uh, DJ okay. DJ Caligari and Doctor Caligari. <laughs> I, I I prefer that third film they both made together. What before they made their separate movies, they made that gotcha. third film. Uh, <laughs> I, when I, Doc and DJ uh, rock a clock. The Caligari <laughs> Chronicles. <laughs> I uh, so I like recently. Um, uh, I showed my kids like lost boys for the first time oh and then the next night i showed them the house on haunted hill uh the the, the Price. Price william castle uh-huh. one and they both thought house on haunted hill was scarier and i'm like i bet it the black and white does something hmm. for i also i mean that there's movie an is... energy to grant there's an energy to lost boys but I'm just like thinking age wise and stuff. And they did, they didn't find house on haunted Hill hokey at all. And they were just kind of, they were both, they thought it was pretty scary. <laughs> I just, I, I, maybe it's, I don't know. I just ever is lost boys trying to be scary in any instance. Like there's for kids like, we, that age. I mean, I the suppose, vampire yeah. stuff's pretty intense. It, it can be gruesome at times. Um, it's- been a, it's been a good minute since I've seen Lost Boys. I have the 4K. I plan to watch yeah. it this week, but so like I maybe I'm just not remembering certain things. But I know like yeah, like Lost Sutherland, Boys is mildly scary. Like Kiefer yeah, Sutherland does some like you know disturbing. Kiefer Sutherland does like disturbing stuff in it. I suppose I'm just trying to think. It's like is the movie trying to deliberately ever scare you? I guess maybe, but I, yeah. I'll see. But I mean, it cuts it cuts, it cuts it with the kid stuff a lot. But um, when they sort of turn from vampires into vampires, you know, with their teeth hanging out yeah plays mm-hmm. sort of scary in the fright night kind of way well and just the the worry for michael not knowing what the hell he's getting into the uncertainty of, of sure. his safety and stuff and uh the family potentially messing up the family um that's the thing and just the, the house on haunted hill like their age range and generational gap on that's huge yeah, um, it has like just yeah. jump scares and stuff in that movie. Oh, there <laughs> like, is it. The old, the old one, yeah, the which, yeah. which I feel like I think part of the effectiveness of that was the black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, really You're a good dad. Help them with it. Yeah, yeah. you should <laughs> but, show them the remake with Chris Kattan. There you go. Yeah, Chris Kattan and Lisa Loeb, um, Tay Diggs. Diggs, yeah, yeah. Jeff Jeffrey Rush. I actually as don't Price. mind that remake. I think it's all right. I so. think. Of the of that glob of Dark Castle stuff, I like that more than Thirteen Ghosts. Oh and, yeah, and, hell yes! And, and it you know it actually has things happening as opposed to Ghost Ship, which is boring as fuck. So that's a plus in yep. favor oh, right there. Yeah. Um, Thirteen Ghosts is the one I just don't get. Like I know people like love that movie, but I have never. No. No. Hard pass. I guess there's some cool gore in it, but I'm just like, like what I, I've is seen this gore thing? before. <laughs> like I mean, like what are we doing? Yeah. What's it? Um, that's that whole run too. Like what is Gothica in there also? And, uh-huh. um, and House House of Wax, I would say, is the best of those. Yep, uh, House of Wax is awesome for my um, money. Hey, Gothica, I I guess is like a nice try, but Go- Gothica wow. feels I, like I, you I have to like Gothica. Gothica, you have to swallow some huge pills to be like, why would she be locked up in the same one that she was looking? I don't under like you have to like yeah. really go with it mm-hmm. to buy into the premise to begin with before you start getting into the thing. Also, Robert Downey Jr. is in it. And it's like, oh, that's fine. I, I pass on that movie just based on the poster. Gothica? 
Yeah. Where it's like her hands. It's, it's her like, hands. Oh, like yeah, she's yeah. like trying to like get out of a window or something. So like Penelope Cruz play like a crazy lady in that also. She does. Like, yeah. Good. I that saw was, that with my I saw that with my mom in theaters. That was during like a, a kind of a weaker point or like what was it that uh that's that early 2000s before texas chainsaw comes out and there's that michael douglas movie with the i'll never tell don't say a word baby oh, that's and a thriller taking that's a, yeah, lives. That's not a horror movie. That's, a, that's a thriller yeah i guess so. yeah it's true so it's taking lives <laughs> well i mean those would i mean Why? those go with the like adult horror like yeah it's the, 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 the spin-off of the, silence of the lambs that's type the tail stuff. end of the silence yeah, era, yeah, yeah 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 because then it becomes horror remake city and Gay horror, right? Uh, and and Dark Castle is doing it too. It has like, yeah, we're extreme gore stuff for a minute. Good for Joel Silver bringing back horror. Right. Gore. <laughs> is Ghost Ship is not a remake, is it? It's not a remake because there's like Death Ship or something like that too in there. But it's uh, a Ghost Ship, Ghost Ship, and it's an old go. But yeah, but it's not a it's not a remake of go, of Ghost Ship. I don't believe mm. it's just it's just a boring movie. <laughs> <laughs> Got a double feature with uh, what's that? Jamie Lee Curtis went on the ship. Virus, virus with, with uh, Baldwin with, with Billy Baldwin. Baldwin. Billy, Baldwin. <laughs> Billy. <laughs> bring it all back around to Billy Baldwin. Billy B. <laughs> I don't even know that title. That's so weird. Virus, with virus. Virus. Oh yeah, it's like a weird. I like, saw it in the theater. Been made of machines on Is the ship. Nineties or early two thousand. It's ninety eight. Is this? Okay. The, was I this, gotta go look this up. Yeah, she had it around the same time as H Halloween H two O. I think she did H two O and then did that. Yeah. Huh. Then resurrection. That was that weird. It was like virus and like supernova. Those are different movies, but it felt yep. like it's like the same kind of thing happening. At that Francis Ford Coppola supernova. Yeah, right. Walter Hill to Francis Coppola. You finally saw them together at last. <laughs> supernova. Supernova's taking over. Supernova don't stop. That's what James Spader kept rapping, and people were like, "Stop it!" Yep. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's such a bad movie. <laughs> Uh, a little drummer boy here. Bid the citizenry to trend. This is an actual slide. Some of these slides are replaced with, you know, digital trickery, but this is an actual one still in here. Yeah. Yeah, most of them are, yeah, at least in this version, yeah. most of them are replaced. But... Lock your doors, uh, bar your windows. <laughs> Oh yeah, I think they have an old community that, like, its way of passing news along was having a person with a giant drum come out and announce <laughs> things in the streets. Yeah, <laughs> imagine that now, like in L.A., Rianzi, you're like <laughs> you're hanging out, just minding your own business, and someone's just like starts pounding on some drum, be like, "Guess what? Shit's guys? about to go down, man. You better get inside." I might get back to that the way things are going. COVID nineteen. <laughs> Let me tell you what is going on here. Uh, we begin Act 5 with the Tallest Hat Award. And now Act Plus. 5. So it's Friday here on Out Now with Aaron and Abe. <laughs> this week long. We've been up for five days straight. <laughs> yep. Rewatching and perfecting this commentary track. <laughs> a, lot of, we, a lot of unused takes, guys. Today we no, have cl- all clown movie recommendations from Abe. <laughs> uh, yeah, clown movie recommendations. Aaron talked to me about Terrifier 2. Oh yeah. yeah, you need to lengthy, see that one, Abe. We had a lengthy Terrifier two discussion. <laughs> but a silent performance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. was silent, yes. Oh yeah, good, good call. Oh yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, be, we'll be back with our Terrifier commentary next month. <laughs> All right, so you have the plague, and <laughs> you gonna... don't. Hmm? No, this plague stuff. There's none of this in Dracula, right? 
in like no. Todd mm. Browning Dracula? No, 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 because no, it's no, more because yeah. it's more focused on the seduction aspect of everything. There's no like yeah. outer element going on as far as the you know the just the presence of him bringing along this disease. Because like he's, I mean, yeah, like it's so much more fo- like this version and other versions that are somewhat similar to this are focused more on the just like the the aura that he brings with him as mm-hmm. opposed to yes, Bela Lugosi and so on that focus more on like this man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> coming after another another man's woman um, but, and whatever his ultimate goal is in that regard. You know, interesting enough, like, just think about the time, and this wouldn't have been on my mind at, at all, but, like, we are amidst right now, wouldn't we be just a couple years off of the quote-unquote sp- Spanish flu era pandemic that happened? Yeah. So that um, might be the inclusion of having a plague mentioned here in this film. I think that yeah, that's got to be in mind. I mean, World War One's just yep. ended, so like just you ended have, World War One, yeah. You know, things like the effects of mustard gas and what have you. Like, there's, yeah. it, it, I mean, and just disease in general was a big problem. I mean, that there's a reason why that's the very the ugliest war is because just the problems not just associated with you know bullets killing people, but just the amount of just horrible shit that happened to people being stuck in trenches. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely you know could you know it, whether intentional or not has an effect on the stories being told. Which I for a long time said you know but people I don't think there's artist intention behind a lot of the things that people later on write about and see in them. But you are a product of your environment, and it's just inherently in you during times to include those sort of things. I will note that F.W. Murnau was things we would what, never understand as a modern audience watching this mm-hmm. that only someone in Germany in 22 would get references and mm-hmm. stuff. But I always wonder about like at the end of the day, you got to see a movie in a vacuum. You're not going to know the average person is not going to know the societal stuff that's surrounding the release. of the Exactly. Movie. It's got to on its own, you know? Yep. Nope. And does. I don't need to know much about it to, 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 for this to be a creepy Dracula movie, you know, and that's why people have such a hard time being like, "Oh, things are so old political now." They always have been. Art has always been political, so you just don't recognize it because you're not in those times of those nostalgic movies you hold tight. You don't see it, Uh, but now in today's world, you're an adult and you are involved and you recognize things a lot more than you do in times you don't remember. They, yeah. People just refuse to realize that. Yeah, people don't let a look at Hook as a as Spielberg screed on Grenada, right? Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, Murnau did serve in World War One. He was part of the uh, German military, uh, German army. Um, whether or not that it completely informs what's going on in this film, but it's just it was where he first that... read the book Dracula and said, "I'm going to knock this <laughs> off." <laughs> He's like, "When I'm done with this war, I'm going to make a movie." A talkie. Um, this was a um, part of a studio Prana film. It was a short-lived film studio. It went bankrupt after this movie came out. Probably due to, I had to guess, probably due to the legal recourse that came around with Nosferatu. Yeah. Right. to help the studio survive. Um, that's a real beard. <laughs> keep, is, keep, it, keep it track of these things Orlock have fangs I don't think fangs are an addition that comes like later teeth. yeah it's more yeah it's they're not pronounced in the way pronounced, that they yeah. become 
Because uh, Legosi, did he have fangs? I don't think he had. No, he has no, fangs. Is fangs? fangs in no, I, don't we? No, he's just teeth. I think, I think fangs so. weren't a big thing until like Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Red eyes and fangs. We don't see Legosi with fangs. Okay, fine. It's just enough. teeth. But, so. uh, yeah, Legosi's just teeth. It's certainly not as pronounced. Uh, yeah. I mean, and, and this because this is such an otherworldly Dracula or whatever Count Orlock already. So it, you know, Fang's just like, okay, yeah. What else do you got? Like he's already got these crazy hands. He's super tall. He's bald. He has special powers. He also, it's like, also he bites with big teeth. Like, okay, thanks. I guess. Like, <laughs> thanks for. I forgot that he he it. makes bun cakes. Like what? Yancy he makes bun cakes like a motherfucker. Like he just, you know, he knows what's going on. He's a good host. He's a great host. Nothing. He's the host but of hosts. Cakes. <laughs> Nothing but cakes. <laughs> They make great little. This is cakes, the first. Yeah. Um, this is this is the first um, vampire film where sunlight directly kills a vampire. Ah, spoiler alert! That what's was. The, <laughs> what's the first one with the invite rule? They they, they can't go in your home unless they've been That's invited. A good question. That's got to be the Hammer era, if I had to guess. I don't know. It. And it's tricky, right? Because he's not really going to people's houses at that point. Yeah, no, I, I, the car the Karstein trilogy doesn't even do that. Kiss of yeah. a Vampire, I don't think does that. I don't remember when that was first. Probably somewhere in the seventies. I know it's mentioned in Fright Night, so I think it's probably yeah. comes from before that. Yeah. Yeah, this movie's the first one where light directly kills a vampire. You get to later on when like Matheson writes I Am Legend and like provides scientific explanations for all these things involving vampires, right. which is which is great. It's really neat. Yeah. And it's it's neat to see like the Vincent Price version explore that. I suppose, that's, yeah. I suppose that's the most accurate version of that story still. Closest to the book. Yeah. Close, close yeah. yeah, not accurate, but like, yeah, close, closest to the book. Well, he wrote the script for that. He just took his name off it. Yeah. More so than Chuck. Um, <laughs> Chuck Cherry? Uh, Chuck, Chuck, Chuck um, fuck me. Um, Whoa. Eston. Eston. Thank you. Like Douglas? That's not right. Chuck <laughs> Chuck Eston. Bad ass to get around in his car in LA against the, against the zombie vampires. Yeah. <laughs> they the vampires in that one, are they? They're just kind of. They're weird. just. I mean, they're never really bit like the same with like I am Legend, where it's like they're not really. They're just kind of CG monsters that suck. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. basically was in the script. I think. <laughs> yeah. We've had enough of this Orlock. <laughs> Get the rocks, guys. Like that's not him. This is like Halloween Kills. <laughs> this guy. Him. Uh, that's exactly what they all said collectively. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is like Halloween Kills. Well, look at his hair. Exactly, it's insane. <laughs> it's not him. No be a fun Dracula. Danny DeVito. Orlock dies tonight. Put it, put now or old Danny DeVito? Doesn't matter. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> I, have you seen his Jersey Mike commercials? They're hilarious. He could pull it off now. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> We're in tuxedo. <laughs> Played the penguin next to Max Shrek. He could, you know, swap those roles. <laughs> let's, let's see. Let's see. A, let's see a fan edit. <laughs> Tim Burns Batman Returns, where Danny DeVito plays uh, Max Shrek. On the I think he'd be a teeth. Hush, hush. 
Enjoy this log. Oh, there he is. I forget how much like quote unquote Redfield that we get in this movie. Yeah. The the town is mad and they brought their hats. They forgot smoking pipes. I mean, you're running around. (laughs) It's it's hard (laughs) smoking your pipes. It's a good point. Yeah. I can't find where the first instance of the vampire being invited in is, but I am curious when you find an answer. I want to know. Such a such a fun rule a rule. I like that one because I would have figured that's in like a book somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Buffy the Vampire Slayer used to have a fun time playing with that one. Right. Yeah. Meanwhile. We do get this like now and again as far as what the vampire's role, like what their goal is. And it just feels like he's Orlock certainly in this kind of chaos mode where it's like, I have my desires, but also what if I just brought everything down around me? <laughs> like, <Right>. that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a fun way to go about things. Do Draculas tend to have like dastardly plots in a lot of the like on in because I, I haven't seen too many of the of the hammer ones to like remember their plots oh, all that uh, well. But it's, it, just in like really AD nineteen seventy two and Satanic Rites, and I get I suppose Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires, but um he's not Dracula doesn't appear in Brides of Dracula. Yeah. Uh he's brought back in um Prince of Darkness. So it just deals with it mm-hmm. basically is a reset doing it again. Um and then it's kind of a set in motion. I don't know. There's he'll be around, people F around and find out, and then they kill him, and then the next one figures a way to bring him back. And yeah. Uh, Scar- Scars of Dracula is kind of a reset that a lot of people think didn't work, but that's one of my favorite ones. Um, they feel there's some out of character stuff and whatnot, but I think it's a highly entertaining one. Um, it's the only one I've never seen from that series. Scars. Oh, Scars. I yeah, mm-hmm. I like Scars. Um, uh, yeah, Prince of Darkness, and then the one that came uh, is it like Taste the Blood of Dracula that came right. Yeah. No, Dracula's Risen from the Grave. Those two are. Probably the the peak of how good they are, and they're uh, both two two different directors and very highly stylized entries of them. Um, that the the uh, Dracula's Risen from the Grave has a pretty iconic look that could get that would get you know modeled off of, or if people want to take a look from one of them, I think they usually go for for that one. And then Taste of Low Dragon yeah. is probably the one of the weakest ones for me. Um so with the four old guys, or is that the Yep, yeah, yeah, that's the four There's a great shot right yep. here with the silhouette action. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Extension. Yeah. Freddy Krueger would get that shadow. Oh, he'd love that. No, he did get it in uh Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Uh Wes Craven did a shot oh. like that with Freddy with his glove. Yeah, that's right. 
Oh, grabs her heart. Get that wonderful backdrop out the outside the the window. I love it. Some people are like doesn't look real. Takes me out of. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> theater, you know, like. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm just watching the movie now. Um, <laughs> it's just seeing this stuff, like just you know, watching Orlock be realized in this way. It's just mm-hmm. fascinating to me. Just these choices. And also, like, you know, they, they could colorize and do things to these films, but it's never what the actual colors being worn on set and stuff people could would probably never imagine because there's things okay. that would look good under lighting, mm-hmm. uh, things that would look good capturing under black and white, um, which they we were talking about the Nicolas Cage um, and Dracula. Whole Dracula, where I think they're probably filming that in black and white just looking at the makeup and like suit oh yeah I, I i i i really hate seeing the set photos being shared around because like this is so this is gonna be color corrected to hell like whatever mm-hmm. they're going for it is not gonna be whatever you know these yeah i i hate set pictures to begin with just because like it's not the movie like i'm not gonna judge something on this um but yeah the uses of you know shadows and whatnot here just really communicate a certain kind of look and feel mm-hmm. you know it's it's so important to making this work in the way it does when it comes to like silent cinema like i i do favor this i favor the, you know the use of german expressionism i, I really like oh yeah but this the fritz lang stuff i mean I, i've talked many times about but much i love m uh, which mm-hmm. is not silent, but I mean, it's certainly, you know, it's operating well, in a similar way. Uh, well, yeah, it's not I mean, silent. It actually makes that mm sound. <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's a reason like Metropolis is like mm-hmm. this stunning achievement still right. to this day. It's quite long. Um, I get how it could be a challenge for people, but just it's an, it, it's unbelievable anytime you've watched it that that movie was made so long ago and back yeah. then it's still to this day like visually holds up amount of extras on display the like all of that the design the set designs the the just, i it, it's magic on screen at any era you would watch it in and same with caligari as well that is just yeah I mean, you can just watch that and know every director that's taken from that. Well, Count Orlock fell for the old get lured in by a woman, try to drink her blood, but then the sun comes up plan. (laughs) Happens every time. Yeah, I was going to say, how many vampires haven't fallen for that? That's why he's not too Faratu. Right. Interesting enough, they... uh, you know, in Universal, they you know they did seek make sequels, and uh, the only time Lugosi came back to play Dracula was Abbott Costello. Abbott Costello. It's crazy because yeah. they they did a they did the Dracula's daughter, and then they did the son of Dracula, which was Lon Chaney Jr. And I think he's supposed to be just playing Dracula, though they he's call it son of, Dracula, yeah, yeah, son of Dracula. That's what they can get away with and be like, just don't think about it too hard, guys, and <laughs> just roll with it, <laughs> right? Prince Alucard. Yes. That was that was the one that did that. Um 
fun little movie. Um, yeah, I like it. I like that they got Michael Lerner to play this part at the end here. <laughs> <laughs> and then. And the truth bore witness to the miracle. At that very moment, the great death came to an end, and the shadow of the death bird was gone, as if obliterated by the triumphant rays of the living sun. I believe there is a, a shot of the rats all leaving, saying, sorry about that, goodbye, uh, just to mm. really extend out the... It Each one us. of them, yeah. It was us the whole time. I, I did so the castle just like fell in on itself, <laughs> right? You know, it was it was held up by magic. Evil is gone from here. The evil it's is gone, gone from here. The they did it, guys. Gone. They purged the entire city of the plague, and they're better for evil it. And not and nothing ever bad happened to Germany again. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Yeah. Dracula never came back in any form. He became very prosperous and they made, you know, cars for export. He, ne- he never came back. He was never dead and loving it. Nope. <laughs> he thousand, never blackulated. Diagnosed for our screen, no Sriracha scream. He never went to Venice for vacation. <laughs> not, not as far as I know, he didn't. He never <laughs> opened a hotel, let alone go on a summer vacation. <laughs> Or have a transformation of some kind. He never never became beloved Hollywood icon Jonathan Reese Myers. <laughs> Breakout star. Uh, well, we've done it, guys. We've talked we about Nosferatu, um, a movie that persists a hundred years later. Um, I'm a fan. Yeah. <laughs> My final thoughts are. Uh, uh, Really good lighting in this movie. Oh yeah, I oh, mean, yeah, yeah. yep. It's yeah, perfection. Cinematography is extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. But Vlad the Impaler would not be rolling in his grave. He'd just be very impressed to give a smile. Just, a small, yeah, he's a clapping small right applause. now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I really look like that though. Right. <laughs> 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 you see Gary Oldman's version. I had this great red armor and everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, we've done it. We've talked about Nosferatu, and that's wrapping up our uh, this year's set of Halloween bonus oh, episodes. Always bum when it comes to close. I know, I know. But uh, of course, there's plenty of horror to discuss because horror is always around us. It's in us. It penetrates us, just like the Force. Clouds um, go but, all year round, Dave. What is uh, your midichlorian count, Aaron? It's a, it's a quarter of a master parasipedius. With all of that said, what is it? It's ne- This is November. What do we got coming up? Yeah, we, we got, got Freebirds. Uh, what year is this? Freebirds? <laughs> <laughs> the Freebirds anniversary? Woody Harrelson is still popular. Um, what do we have? What's coming? What's what we have? We have Black Panther, obviously. We, we have Wakanda um, Forever. We have Wakanda. We have Fable. We've already done Fable Batman Mids. Forever. We have so yes, we can, obviously this we can't do yeah. we can't do Black Panther or Black or Batman Forever. Um, we do Forever yeah, Young. We. <laughs> That's got a great song tie-in. Why are you laughing, Aaron? Get the, the oh. Jamie Lee Curtis uh, train going. Steve Meyer, yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis, part one. I mean, what's Rod Stewart doing these days? We can get him on the show. I'm sure we can figure out something uh, for November. Um, and I'm sure it'll be a fun option, as always. Uh, with all that said, we should wrap things up here. So, Brandon, where can people find more of your work online? Uh, the Brandon Peter Show, which is the BrandonPeterShow.com. And uh, on Twitter and Instagram, at Brand4KUHD. I've got some Halloween stuff. Or are you going on in the next month? Um, the Tim Burton retrospective with Scott nice. Mendelson of 
the rap um <laughs> right uh, on board for that and uh oh oh whysoblue.com for all my physical media reviews hey uh, yeah and, uh, like to uh, little halloween <laughs> i did a halloween thing too there's a the music of um halloween and did that a few weeks back it's a good piece i enjoyed the, the, the movies yeah, the really good yeah yeah, see, I Milky think you like the blues, blood. Milky Way Blues, uh, Yancey Jack on Twitter, if you're still Twittering, uh, Yancey Burns <laughs> on Facebook. I'm out there. I'm here. Kind of like Count Warlock. You see me, you don't see me. <laughs> always you're also on. super strong. Yeah, we get it. Super strong, and I work uh, in, in stop motion. <laughs> like, gets around. Well, I take my bags uh, to the airport. <laughs> strong like ox. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can find everything I do at thecodesyth.com. That's my personal blog where everything I do ends up. I write for We Live Entertainment and Elisa Blue, and I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff for my Instagram, abe.mua, and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Hashtag ready or lock. Here I come. <laughs> oh. It's uh, pretty good. You can find all the other episodes about now there, Abe um, on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, Stitcher. You can find us on all the socials. We're and all online. That. We're all over the place. Uh, Brandon, Yancey, thank you very much for joining us for this nice thank you commentary. Thank you. Of course. Loved it. Yeah. Always a fun time. Thank you, the listeners, for listening. We'll be back soon enough with more episodes. We've got plenty of content coming this month. We'll have another commentary this month as well. And I mean, we're almost at the end of the year. We'll have plenty of wrap up stuff coming in, in the near future as well. So, with all that said, that's going to do it for this week's commentary, tra- this month's commentary track. So, until next time, happy Halloween. So long. And also, check your candy twice. Mm-hmm. You don't want any of that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No razor blades in your mouth. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetersshow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetersshow.com. show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.